So uh, this month, obviously being the month of February, I wanted to uh, do a whole sermon series about love. And uh, to be honest with you, I get, I get a little frustrated with our culture. Um, our culture tends to, when we, anytime we talk about love, they only talk about the romantic part of love, right? We only talk about the, the lovey-dovey uh, princess bride uh, kind of love, right? How many of you like the movie Princess Bride? Yeah, a great movie. I love that movie. Um, such, such great movies about love. But love is so much more than that. And, and let me tell you, I, I'm going to be very honest with you. Our, our, our culture does us a disservice when we only talk about the romantic part of love. Because to be honest with you, you may think you know everything about the romantic part of love. But when it comes to all the other aspects of love... We're completely clueless, right? We don't understand it. In fact, we get frustrated with each other so easily. And, and, and if there's something about love, it's that, that God is love. And we must understand this to, be, to understand why it's so important that we love each other. Jesus said this in John 13, 34. Uh, uh, at this point, there were the commandments, right? There were the Ten Commandments and and in fact, Jesus was even asked, well, what's the, if you had to take all the commandments, right, not just even the 10, but all the kind of the laws, all the things that we're supposed to do, what's the greatest one, Jesus? And he, was, he thought he was kind of tricking Jesus because he wanted him to kind of pick something that he thought he could get more political about. But, you know, Jesus says, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. He said, that's it. If you can do, if you can do those things, then really essentially that you are keeping all of the other laws, all of the other of God's commands. So if God is love and he wants us to love each other and he wants us to love him, and Jesus said this in John 13, 34. He said, so now I am giving you a new commandment to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my, are my disciples. I think it's really interesting that he says, this is how everybody is going to know that you are my disciples. This is how people will know that you are the real deal, is that you will love people how I love you. And right, we know how God loved us. He laid down his life for us. He sacrificed everything for us. He came down from heaven, and he came down to this earth, this kind of dirty, broken, you know, something that, if, to be honest with you, if it were up to me, I would say, let's just burn it all and start all over again. But God didn't do that. God said, I want to give them an opportunity. I want to redeem them. So he sent Jesus, and Jesus came, and he didn't come to, right, be served, but he came to serve. He washed his disciples' feet. He, he touched the sick. He, he did things that other people did not want to do. He showed what true love really is. But first, we must understand that God is love, you guys. That God is love. When we see Jesus, we're seeing God. And I don't know about you, but I, for a very, very long time, especially as a young Christian and, uh, you know, kind of in my teenage years, I really felt like God was up there and all he was doing was kind of waiting for me to mess up and that once I messed up, I was out. Right? It's, it's, it must have been, I'm trying to figure out where I must have gotten that from. I don't know if it was kind of culture or, or maybe it was kind of like my own, my own dad. I was always trying to 
you know, earn my dad. I felt like I needed to earn my dad's love. I wanted him to really love me. So, you know, but then if I failed, I thought, well, that's it. He's not going to love me anymore. And somehow I, I projected that on God, that if I didn't act a certain way, then that meant God did not love me. And that is absolutely not the truth. And you know how I've come to discover that myself is I have two daughters. There is nothing that my daughters can do to make me not love them. It is absolutely impossible. It is absolutely impossible. For those of you who have family, for those of you, you know, brothers and sisters, there's nothing that they can do. They, they, they may, you know, frustrate you. They may disappoint you at times. They may even hurt you. They may even break your heart. But you never, ever stop loving them. I know this because I have family who have done all of those things to me, and yet my love for them still exists. So if I can love that way, how much more can God love? And how much more does God love you? It's unconditional. We have to understand that because I'm going to be very honest with you. I think most Christians walk around with this feeling like if I mess up, I'm out. I'm out of God's love, right? If I, you know, don't follow every, you know, law and every command and everything to the, to the letter that God is going to kick me out of the club and I'm going to be on the outside. But you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you feel that way? How many of you just feel that way, right? Because that's kind of how we treat others most of the time. Don't tick me off or you're not my friend anymore, right? Don't make me mad because I'm going to cut you off. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I come from, uh, you know, an Italian family, and that is exactly how you treat somebody. You tick me off. I have, I have family who've done this. Oh, we don't talk. Don't even say that person's name. Don't even say that person's name. We are shunning them. They are out of the family, Shun, right? But that's not God. That's not, that God doesn't do that, right? We don't treat people that way. So after we understand that God is love, we must then understand that God loves us. God loves you. If I could just pick one sermon topic that would be the only sermon topic that would be for the rest of my life, it would be that God loves you. But how often do you wake up in the morning and you don't feel that, right? You don't feel that way. In fact, it's mostly something that we put on ourselves. We don't feel deserving of it is what we're saying. It's not that we necessarily doubt God's love for us. It's that, no, God, I'm not necessarily deserving of your love today because I don't know if you saw how I acted yesterday. But God doesn't do that. John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There's another scripture that I'm just going to paraphrase, but that even when you were in your sin, okay, even when you were a rebellious, sinful heathen, right, God still loved you and he still pursued you. We think usually in the context of, well, now I'm a Christian, that means God loves me now. No, God loves you even before that. God loves every single person that has ever been created, all right? Now, that's going to really mess with your mind because you could probably think of some people that are really awful, right, that are really awful. And, and by the way, again, God deals with that. God deals with sin, 
But it says that God has a love for everyone. He came for every single person. Not just, it's just that not everybody will believe. Not everybody will turn to him. Not everybody will give their hearts to him. But he came for everyone. It's just a choice that we have to make. So I kind of want to look at this. This is actually a writing of Paul to the Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1. Paul talks about what love is, right? Love is. This is what love is. And it's what it's not, and it's what it should be, and it's what it should look like. And again, remember, the world is still, I see it constantly, whether it's in movies and television and social media, the world is still trying to figure it out. It's trying to figure out what love really is, and and yet it's interesting that we live in a culture and an era where we are so connected, but yet there are people who are so lonely. How is that? And that's because they are not receiving the love of God. They're looking for a different kind of love, a love that they really don't understand. And, and sometimes you, you give your heart to someone that, that maybe really even isn't deserving, and they take that heart and they pound all over it, and they, you know, but God will never do that. And that's why we need to understand these things. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would, be, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I can move mountains but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. This is really interesting. This is what Paul is saying. It doesn't matter what you see on the outside. It doesn't matter that you think, oh, wow, that guy looks like he's got it really together. That guy looks successful. He looks wealthy. I mean, it can even be in in our kind of religious context. Wow, look at that pastor, man. He's he's out there and he's preaching it. You know what I mean? They're doing all these great things and they're, you know what I mean? But Paul is saying, but if that person does not have love in their heart for their fellow man, they are nothing. And that's how God looks at our lives He's looking at, do you, are you loving people? Are the people that I have put around you, are you loving them? Well, you might be saying, well, what does that look like, right? Well, what does that look like? Well, guess what? Paul tells us what that looks like. Are you ready? Love is patient and kind. I'm out, by the way, already. I'm out on patient. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Paul paints a beautiful picture of what true love is. This is what love is, you guys. This is what love looks like. If you are someone who's seeking love, this is what it should be, all right? If you're even someone who's looking for a relationship, right? And I believe that that God, if that's a desire in your heart, I believe God wants that for you. But let me tell you this, they, they better 
they better be able to stand up to this kind of love, right? Not just because they give you butterflies, but because this is how they love. I want to kind of dive into this a little deeper. Let's, let's look at each of these individual statements. And like I said, the first one, love is patient. I am completely out. I have no patience, right? How many, anybody in here, you're just super patient? Any super patient people? You're like, oh, yeah, I, all day long, I just let you, you know. No, no, I really don't know. In fact, we have a joke in our men's Bible study, do not pray for patience, right? It's kind of in the Christian thing, you know, and you, you get around in a circle and book, how can we pray for? And someone says, oh, will you pray for patience for me? And we go, no! You want to know why? Because normally when someone says, pray for patience, I, I need patience, usually that next week is hell, because patience isn't something that is gifted to you. Patience is something that happens after you've gone through the fire, right? You have to learn it, right? You have to go through the fire and the pain and the pressure and for that, for patience to build. Patience is more of a muscle than like a gift given to you. I've never met anybody who said they had the gift of patience. The only people who are patient are people who've gone through a lot in their life. Amen? Right? Those are usually the only people. So don't pray for patience, but when you're in those trials, be patient. Okay? Be patient. Patience. Romans 2.4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? I want you to think about this for a second, because this is how God is with us, okay? Now, like I said, let's go back to Matthew's theory that the moment Matthew messes up in life, that God comes down and zap, right? Hits me with a lightning bolt, and I am toast. If that were how God acted to us, none of us would be here, amen? None of us would be sitting in this room if that's how, who God was, that the minute, moment you messed up as a Christian, you were zapped, you were out, you were taken out. God is patient with us over and over and over. In fact, we even see in the Bible when, you know, how many times should I forgive my brother who offends me, right? Seven times? Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. He wasn't even really putting a number on and he was trying to make a point. He's like, listen, as many times as that person comes and asks for forgiveness, you forgive them. Because let me tell you something, as many times as you come to God and ask for forgiveness, he's going to give it to you. That's who God is. He's patient. He's patient with us. So listen, we need to understand and we need to work that muscle of patience. So Think about it for a second. What part of your day or who is it that you come in contact with where you start to lose your patience? Think about it for a second. I'm hearing giggling already. hearing laughing because I, you guys have instantly gone there. Think about it, right? And ask yourself this, Lord. I am losing my patience with this person, but I know that you don't lose your patience with me, so help me. Help me. Even though that person may not be deserving of it, God still wants you to love that way. Why? Why do we love that way? What did Jesus say? So that they will know we are his disciples. Amen? Right? The second one, kind. It kind of goes along with being patient. Kind. 
Psalm 116.5 says, How kind the Lord is, how good he is, so merciful, this God of ours. You guys, the Lord is kind, this kindness. It's in his nature, right? He's not looking to see, how, how can I take you out, man? How can I really destroy your life? No, God has come, and, he, and he's kind to us. He's gentle. In fact, the scripture says he's merciful. Even when you deserve, right, a backhand to the, you know, he's merciful. He says, you know what, though? I'm going to extend kindness in hopes that you'll turn to him. In hopes that you'll turn to him. Now, listen, let me... It, we are in this place of God's kindness as a culture, as a world. God is extending this kindness to, to us. But there's going to be a day when Jesus Christ comes back that that's it. That you have better made your decision. You have better made your choice. That I am, a, am I a follower of Jesus Christ or have I turned away from him? Because then that's when his judgment comes. But right now we are in this place of of his mercy, of him saying, hey, I am giving you time. I am giving you time, but I'm telling you, there will be a day when that time runs out. So don't take advantage of my mercy. Are you kind of following where I'm going with that? So love is. Love is patient and love is kind. And then it says love is not. Love is not jealous, okay? Love is not jealous, James 4, 2 says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it, uh, to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you, I love this part, because you don't ask God for it. You don't have what you want because you don't even ask God for it, you just take. Now, by the way, this is the extreme I understand that. I, I know a lot of you, but I have to be honest. If I can only speak for myself, I know what jealousy feels like. I see others who are doing the same thing that I am doing, and it seems like they are having more success at it. So instantly I say, but God, I want what they've got. But then sometimes God will reveal something to me, and he said, but Matthew, you don't know the full story. You don't know what's really going on. You don't understand, and you need to trust me, and you just need to, and this is a word that has been given to me that I have held on to very dearly, you need to stay in your lane, right? You need to stay in your lane. You need to just do what I've called you to do. You need to just take what I have given to you because you don't understand what may be going on with that person or, or what's happening or the fact that God is just doing something somewhere, and that doesn't mean that he doesn't love you too. All of us have experienced on some level of jealousy, right? We all have looked at somebody else and say, I want what they have. Why can't I have what they have? And I love that that scripture says, have you even gone to God? Have you even asked your heavenly father, Lord, this is what I need? Have you even kind of opened up your heart and then said, but why is it that I want what he has so bad? Well, I know, I know what it is when I'm looking at that, that guy over there who's doing the same thing that I'm, do, that I'm doing and he seems to be having so success. Well, it's because I want to look as popular as he does or I want to feel, you know, that I'm winning or I want to feel like I'm doing great or, you know, whatever. But those are all worldly things. Those are, that's not, God says, but Matthew, I love you. Matthew, you're mine. You are, and, and you're, you're doing my work. Like, why do you need that? 
We need to be careful when we're feeling that jealousy rise up. First, go to God and ask him, what is it that you're asking for? What is it that it is that they have that you want? And then ask yourself, is that really even something that I need? Is it really even something that I need? Yes, would I like a BMW, right? Yes, would I like a, you know, whatever, a, a you know, house with 20 bedrooms and five baths? You know what I mean? Yes, would that be, if that happened, okay, well, I'm not going to turn it away. But do I need that? Do I need those things? No, I don't need those things. Love is not boastful. 1 Timothy 3.2 says, for people, we, we love only, uh, <clears throat> for people will, will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. When I read that scripture, I, I see our culture today. I absolutely see our culture. It's all about self. It's all about me. And let me tell you guys something, and I, I, I want this just to be it's just a warning. Be careful of, for those of you who are on social media. Be careful that it's not all about you, because God never intended the world to work that way. And if your life, if every moment that you wake up, you're trying to think you know, about making you look the best, that is not how God loves. God says love is not boastful. So if we're constantly, and by the way, I've seen, and none of you guys, but I've seen, right, Christians, how many of you seen this post, okay, for those of you who are get Christian friends, how many of you see they're, they're down and they're helping the homeless and they're all, click, click, right? Look what I'm doing, look at, look at so-and-so and look at me, right? Now, I get it, they're trying to, sometimes they're trying to build an awareness and stuff like that, but do it without any fanfare. Go out there and serve the homeless and don't tell anybody, right? Because God sees you. God sees you. Now, I understand if you're trying to bring, again, awareness to a ministry and stuff like that. I'm not really, I'm just saying be careful of your heart. Be careful where your heart is at. Are you doing that because you want, you know, 100 likes today? Because all of a sudden you got 100 likes because you took a picture with the homeless guy, you know, and that's great. Or are you really trying to bring awareness to something? I just, check your heart is all I'm saying. Boastfulness is still very prevalent in our culture, especially because now we have a social media. Now we each have our own little platform, right? We each have our own little platform to be as boastful as we want. So love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. Proverbs 11.2 says pride leads to disgrace, right? But with humility comes wisdom. Pride leads to the fall. You guys, it was pride of why Satan kicked out of heaven. It was because of pride. It was because of pride of why Adam and Eve thought they knew better than God. You guys, nothing has ever, ever, ever come out good of being prideful. There is nothing that has ever become good out of being prideful and arrogant. It will only lead to your destruction. It will only lead to destruction. And then rude. Rude is just an extension of, of, of being prideful. I am rude to you because I see you as less than me. So I will treat you that way, right? If you are being rude to somebody, it means that you see them as lower than yourself. When that is not the kind of love that Jesus projected. Jesus was always lifting people up. And by the way, he was the king of kings. People should have been falling at his feet and worshiping him. And yet he still got on his knees and he still served. That's love. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. And love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. 
Matthew 5, 41. I thought this was interesting. I was looking up kind of scriptures for this one. Uh, uh, this demand its own way. And I actually found this scripture that says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. What this scripture is really meaning and what the point is behind it, that if, that if someone comes, right, and asks you to do something, you can do what they've asked you to do, but then that's all you have fulfilled. But if you go, what the scripture says, the extra mile, then you're showing love to that person because they didn't ask for it, right? They didn't ask it. And I love this scripture because, see, we're all about wanting to put our demands upon other people. I want you to do what I'm telling you to do because then I will feel in control. Well, to me, I would say this actually has a little bit of control, but it's kind of flipping it. Someone comes and asks you to do something. Say, yes, I would love to do that. And I'm going to do a little bit more. I'm going to do a little bit more. Someone's going, wow, boy, that's love, right? That going the extra mile. That not only am I not demanding that you do what I want you to do, but then I'm also, I'm also going to turn it and flip it, and I'm gonna, what is it that you would like to do, and then I'm, let's even do a little bit more. Let's even do a little bit more. For those of you who are in relationships, okay, for those of you who are really in any kind of relationships, that's a great lesson to learn, right? I've had the argument of the movie, which movie we're going to go see. I've had the argument of which restaurant we're going to go to. In fact, that's usually the ongoing fight is what you want to eat and what you, and finally I just say, honey, I, I, what do you, what do you want, right? McDonald's? No, I'm sorry. No, I don't want McDonald's. But fine, you want McDonald's? Then we'll go to McDonald's. And let's go ahead and get the Big Mac. And let's go ahead and get the, no. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Irritation is just a symptom of a deeper problem, right? Irritation is just a symptom of a, if you are irritable, it's like you're, it's, it's really, it comes from the same word as irritation. You're, you have an irritation, so what do you do? You're scratching at it, and really you're just scratching at the surface. There's really a deeper problem than just by, you know, by scratching it. And so sometimes if we're irritable, you need to ask yourself, why am I irritable? Why am I so irritable? There was a, uh, this just happened a week ago, but we have uh, our dog, for those of you who know Chasey, she's a, a little multi-poo, and she just has the most ear-piercing bark. And every time someone walks by our door, she barks. <clears throat> so sure enough, I was in the front room with her. I had my back to her because I was working on my computer, and she was at the door, and she barked, and I lost it. I lost it. She was already laughing because she knows where the story's going. I went over to her. And I gave, I just, I only hit her once, spanked her. I know, all right now, I love her. But I spanked, I spanked her open hand, and I spanked her right on the butt, but I hurt my hand. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you guys. I actually, listen to me, I'm not done with the story yet, Karen. But I immediately after I did that, I felt off. I felt, I thought, you know what? I did that out of irritation. I did that out of frustration. There was something, I, you know, there was obviously, I, I was stewing on something else that, I mean, because I didn't need to lose it that quickly. She's barked way longer than that, and I haven't gotten that upset. And I got upset really quick. So, of course, I picked her up, Karen, 
I picked her up and I held her for a while and put her head on my shoulder and we were good. She licked my face again. We were fine. But I, I'll never forget my uncle used to call it, it was called the kicking the dog syndrome, right? Kicking the dog syndrome is when you've had a bad day and you come home and you take your frustration out on the dog, okay? That was kind of my point. We all do that. Something is bothering you. You let it fester. You let it kind of take root. And then all of a sudden something else happens or somebody else does something and you take it out on them, right? The kicking the dog syndrome. And we need to ask ourselves, I'm irritated and I'm about to unleash my irritation on this person, but where is this coming from? Why do I feel this way? Because love is not irritable, right? God, God doesn't lose it like that with us, right? He's not just up there and like I said, the moment we, and then he just comes, oh my gosh, wow, God, that was like so harsh. Like I just, you know, I just cussed, that was it. That God's not doing that. And I really, I, I challenge you, if you, are fearing, if you are feeling irritable or if you're finding yourselves in times of, of feeling irritable a lot, ask yourself, that is just a symptom of a deeper problem. Something is bothering me and I need to explore it. I need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me. Love does not keep record of wrong. Love does not keep record of wrongs. Hebrews 10, 16 says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. You guys, when God brings forgiveness to your sins, he forgets about them. He does not keep a record for the next time that you mess up. So let me ask you, are you keeping a record of somebody's sins against you? Be careful. Because God does not do that with you. And let me tell you something, that's now unforgiveness. If you're keeping a record, if you're just waiting, that means you have unforgiveness in your heart. And unforgiveness, you guys, only leads to your own destruction. You see, when you learn to forgive, and when you learn to take that list that you've made and tear it up and throw it away, it's not necessarily releasing that other person of the things that they did. It's actually releasing you from the, the prison that you've put yourself or the fact that you've bound yourself to that person by holding on to all this anger and all this, you know, remembering every single detail of every single thing that they've done to you. It doesn't say, and let me just say this, it doesn't mean that when you forgive them that you're saying what they did is okay you are just simply releasing yourself from them. And you're actually opening up that opportunity for God to allow his forgiveness to flow in your life. You guys, all of us need forgiveness. All of us ask for forgiveness. So we need to extend that kind of forgiveness. And I'm telling you right now, think about it. If you are keeping any record of wrong against somebody, and, I'm, and listen, I'm not saying that there's a difference of I was in an abusive relationship, okay? Not me personally, I'm just saying, hypothetically. I'm in an abusive relationship. I'm not going to go back to that abusive relationship. Okay, that's just wisdom. But what, I, but what I'm not going to do is keep myself tethered to that person spiritually by holding on to anger, resentment, and thinking like, I'm going to get them back, or I'm going to, you know what I mean? That does nothing but cause cancer to our soul. Keep no, love does not keep any record of wrong. 
And love does not rejoice about injustice. We do not celebrate when something bad happens to someone else or say they deserved it. They deserve that. No, nobody deserves it. We all deserve, right? But we don't get what we deserve because that's what mercy is all about. Love does. Love rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Psalms 15, Psalm of David. He says, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter in your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from a sincere heart. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. You guys, we need to be careful. We need to speak the truth all the time, even if it maybe doesn't reflect well on ourselves, right? It may not may not make us look all that great by telling the truth, but it's the truth. And it's something that we should never, ever hide. It's something, you guys, that God hates is when we lie about somebody else or we do not let the truth come out about something. And love is always speaking the truth. And you know what? We need to, we need to not be afraid in a loving way to speak the truth to each other. Because here's the thing. I want to be a better person. And I'm only going to become a better person is if I allow you, that if our relationship is strong enough that you can come to me and say, Matt, I see this in you, and that's not healthy. That's not helping you. That's not making you a better person or making you a more loving person. I need to be strong enough to say, you know what? You are absolutely right. I'm absolutely going to go work on that and pray about that and, you know, thank you. That's speaking the truth. And you know what? Sometimes we are too polite. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes we're too polite. Now, I'm not saying... Don't go to walk up to every person up on the street and tell them the truth. You know what I mean? That's different. But if you are in relationship with somebody, if you've got, if you're in friend, I mean, as friends and as, you know, we should be telling people, us, each other the truth. Hey, I love you. But you know what? You need to eat more mints. You know? You need to go to the dentist. Or I, I'm just making something up. Love never gives up. Love never ever gives up. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, if God's unfailing love pursues me for the rest of my life, why should we not have that same attitude for each other? There's somebody, and I'm not going to get into the details because I'm just not ready you know, to share the whole story yet, but there is somebody in my life someone who's very, very close to me, whom I love dearly, that I'm not going to give up, that I have not given up on. We may, our relationship may be strained right now. It may be a little distant, but I am not giving up on praying for that person, praying that our relationship would be restored, praying that, that this person's relationship with God would be restored. I am not giving up. Also, losing faith, kind of similar. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith, the confidence that we are of what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Listen, let's not give up on each other. Let's not lose faith in that God is powerful enough to do a miracle. So if there's someone in your life that you're praying for, if there's someone in your life that you've been praying for for a long, long time, don't give up, right? Don't give up because God hasn't given up on you. So don't give up. Continue to pray. Continue to intercede. Continue to believe. And don't lose faith, because love never loses faith. And here's the, 
kind of the finale, love is always hopeful, right? Love is always hopeful, Psalms 31, 24. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. I'm gonna be very honest with you. I kind of look in some of your eyes and I don't see a lot of hope. I can just be real for a second. And I only mean that, I don't mean that to, to tear you down, but I'm just, I'm seeing kind of the, the light dim a little bit of hope. And I would love to encourage you until you don't lose hope because it's all we've got, right? Hope that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Hope that this is not the end of our story. Hope that tomorrow can be better than yesterday. Amen? Hope that whatever it is that you're going through right now isn't going to last. That's what hope says. So I don't know what it is that you're going through right now, and you may feel like I am in the deepest pit, the darkest pit. I cannot see out. I'm asking you, I am imploring you to have hope, hope in the Lord. Not hope in me, not hope in, you know, necessarily even a church or anything like that, but hope in God. Hope in the Lord that he will rescue you. Now, obviously, he wants to use his people. He wants to use us to be a part of that. But our hope should be in him. Our hope should not be in our jobs. Our hope should not be in other relationships that we're in. Our hopes should not be in, you know, whether or not we're going to be successful or whether or not we're going to make a lot of money. Our hope should not be in those things. Our hope should be in the Lord because all those other things will fail you. But God will never fail you. And here's the last. Love, is always, love always endures through every circumstance. Romans 5.3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. I believe that all of us can say that we've all gone through trials, amen? We all know what that feels like. There's nobody in here who is oblivious to this idea, oh, trials, what's that? Oh, hardships, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Every single one of us knows what this feels like. And even Paul is encouraging us, even in the, in the Romans, he says, you guys, we can rejoice in this. It seems crazy, right? A little crazy, someone's walking around and they're going through a really hard time. They're like, oh, praise God, woohoo! And it's because it would be like if we could paint a real picture, it's like, no, I'm going to the gym and I'm gonna work out and I'm gonna get ripped. If you're going through hard times and you endure through those hard times, spiritually what you're doing is you're strengthening yourself so that when the next situation comes, you are even stronger than you were before. Because like Chuck said, and even Greg was talking about in the beginning, things are going to happen. It, it, we, we are not going to be, you know, God doesn't just put, this, put us in a little bubble and that nothing ever bad happens to us ever again. No, what he does is he wants to make you stronger and stronger and stronger that each time you will be able to deal with the things that come against you. And then eventually you become so strong, you grab the person next to you who may be a little weaker and you say, come on, let me show you how to do this. And you kind of bring them up and help them and encourage them. Love endures through every circumstance. Now you may be saying to yourself right now, I fail at all of those. Every single one of those. I'm a big failure. Well, let me tell you something. 
God wants us to work at these things, but we can't do them in our own strength. We are going to fail time after time after time if we try to do this list in our own strength. What we need to do is invite his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us and say, Holy Spirit, help me, because it's not by my strength I'm gonna be able to do this, but it's only by your strength am I gonna be able to, right, show the world to love people as you love Jesus so that the world will know that it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you that tomorrow, and many of you are going to face one of those things. Many of you are going to instantly be irritated or jealous or this or that. or You know what I mean? You're going to be faced with patience or something. Immediately say, Holy Spirit, come and, and work in me right now and help me through this situation because my flesh wants to react this way. But I want to be able to react according to the love of Jesus in this situation. Because then when we start acting like that, then the world will know that we are his disciples. Then the world will know that we are his disciples. Can I pray? Can we close our time? Worship team, you guys can come on back up. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that this would be encouraging tonight. Lord, as we would love this way, as we would treat people this way, Lord, not based on how we feel, not based on our own set of rules, but based upon the way that Jesus Christ loved us and laid down his life for us. So while every eyes closed, while every head's bowed, I just want to ask this simple question. You have never, ever experienced the love of Jesus Christ. If you have never allowed him to come into your life, if you have never called him Savior and called him Lord, and you would like to do that tonight for the very first time, or maybe for you it's been a long time. Maybe you've even kind of you would say, I've kind of even rejected his love a little bit. Kind of walked away. I kind of just did my own thing for a while. And you would like to say, you know what? Tonight, I want to renew that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's you. One of those is you. Will you just simply raise your hand and say, tonight's the night. I want to make it right with the Lord. I want to learn to love, but I also want to receive that love freely given to you and we can freely receive it we don't have to do this all on our own we don't have to live in frustration and, and be feeling irritable every single day Jesus come into our life Holy Spirit Holy Spirit help me to be more like Jesus Help me to love as Jesus loved, even when it's difficult, even when my flesh rises up, even when I'm feeling jealous or irritable, even when I'm losing my patience, Lord, help me. Help me to be kind. Help me to walk in humility. 
Help me to serve others. There's someone in here and you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you're holding on to some of those records of wrongs. Tonight would be a really, really good time to let that go. Let God deal with that person. Give that person to God. But you see, it's a, it's a weight in your life. It's causing you harm to hold on to that kind of pain and anger, frustration. So if you need to do that, do it now. Just simply say it to yourself. Simply say that person's name and say, I forgive them. Forgive them, Lord, and I release them to you. I don't want to be tied or tethered to that person anymore. The pain I feel every time I think of that person. And by the way, you may need to do that every single time you think of that person. But forgive. Forgive. And allow God to bring healing into your life. Thank you. Thank you. Father, let your love just settle in our hearts. Holy Spirit, show us how to love this world that so desperately needs it, that is hurting. Father, I even pray for our young people that they would learn to love their peers in such a way, Lord, that they would ask, why, why are you treating me so kindly? Why, you know, why aren't you making fun of me? Or why aren't you, you know, why are you serving me? And they would say, because of the love of Jesus in my life. That, Lord, that's how we are going to evangelize through loving people the way you loved us. So, Lord, help us. Help us to understand that love. There was just one last thing I was sensing tonight as we were worshiping. Some of you are feeling pretty beaten down, pretty broken right now. Almost feeling like I, I don't even I don't even feel deserving of being here. And it's not because you don't love God or you don't even know God. It's just because simply you're just hurt. You're just hurting. So here's my encouragement to you. Father God is saying to you, draw closer to me. Draw closer to me. Because the closer you get to me, the more I will bring healing to your heart. That I will take those burdens off your shoulder. That I will repair the brokenness that others have caused in your life. Father God says, draw closer to me. Don't hold me at arm's length because you don't feel deserving of my love. Because then all I will do is pursue you. Pursue you and pursue you until you finally turn to me and say, okay, I'm going to stop running. I'll let you love me. That's how much he cares for me. That's how much he loves me.